This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. April 18th, and this is Season 6, Episode 32 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. Uh, on Tax Day, I'm your host, Tommy. Uh, with me, me this week is Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And we have John. Lovely to be with you, as always. All right, so uh, for people that are listening, Anthony is actually going to take the next Tuesdays off our Next mo- two episodes off uh, for Mondays because he will be in New Orleans um, with his wife for a little bit of a trip. So if you're in New Orleans um, and go to the New Orleans bars, do say hi to him. But it's three of us for today. Um, so we're going to we have a very short schedule. So this should be a shorter episode. Um, so just to lay out the itinerary, we're going to talk about Brighton's loss or loss against Brighton on last Saturday. Halftime, we got John's loan update, we got Lucas's locks, and then second half, we will talk about, or we will preview Brentford, which is on Saturday. Um, in addition to that, we do have two questions, and we will discuss them. Um, they're both for each individual match that we will preview and review. Um, but the first question um, that we're going to do to lead in to Brighton is from, as Anthony would call him, Big Bird. His question is, what do you think is the psychology behind Spurs' dead or alive performance against Brighton? And I don't think he means the Foo Fighters song. Um, Some of the reasons he had Conte getting over COVID. So as an example, Sam actually brought this up to me on Saturday. Conte was recovering, so he wasn't able to participate in the practice practices um and training that week but in my opinion that's no excuse um where we also ex- overexerted the last four matches sense of complacency at having overtaken arsenal and before i let um both you lucas and john jump in i did want to uh note some statistics that i saw when i was looking at uh match of the day so some key ones spurs um had 174 174 passes in in their opposition half compared to Brighton, which was 308. Spurs passes in the final third, 85. Brighton had 143. The other stat of note, which is actually kind of depressing and alarming, um, Spurs had five shots on goal compared to Brighton's 12, but the other one that's more alarming they had zero shots on target, and Brighton had five. Um, of course, this was a big mess. Nothing really looked good. Um, who wants to start this conversation? John, what do you got? Well, I'm going to start this off by why, 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 why. I mean, I just do not understand how a team that's unchanged goes from playing like they did in the four prior games, fantastic, sharp, quick football scoring goals can suddenly turn in to this team that didn't seem to know where the goal was. 
Um, I don't think you can blame Conte's absence. I mean, they had a week to practice. Um, I heard that latterly in the week that Conte was there, he was just keeping away from the players. Um, so I don't think that that's, that that's the cause. But I really do not understand how... Um, I mean, we use the word Spursy, or you guys do. This is the first time in my life I've ever used the word Spursy. Um, but it is about the only thing you can use to describe this performance. Um, I mean, thank goodness Arsenal lost. Otherwise, we'd be really, um, I'd be screaming mad. But um, we had the same players. We had players that looked like they were going to score five goals, Kuvi, and... Um, he only touched the ball 16 times the whole game until he was subbed. What? I, I, I just don't get it. So lots of whys, not so many answers. Um, I just hope like hell that the team that played the previous four games is going to show up on Saturday um, and not the team that played last, uh, last week on Saturday. It's... Um, it's a complete mystery to me. What about you, Lucas? I mean, do you have any answers for this? <clears throat> I think I, I, I try to not ever get overly worked up about results. Um, I think results, that, that's what football is. Sometimes it just doesn't go your way. But this is just not one of those times for me. I, I always say as long as the team played, like they came out, they gave it their all, they played with confidence and attacking prowess and gave like a hundred percent effort and it just wasn't your day. I can accept a bad result sometimes that happens. But what we saw on Saturday was just from the moment we started that game, it just looked like we weren't in it. Brighton was comfortable. We looked like we had nothing to make them uncomfortable. It, it just seemed like that when you use the term Spursy there, it's one of those things where how to me, I think a big thing has to be leadership in the players everyone said the right things all week leading up to the game. You had interviews with Harry saying, Oh, you know, we got seven cup finals to go and we have to be intense and we have to be focused and locked in. So if everyone's saying the right things and then we come out, it's, it just blows my mind that no one's grabbing that game by the scruff of the neck and trying to the zero shots on goal in 90 minutes at home to Brighton. Uh, it's astounding to me how we laid an egg like that in an opportunity where we were given a real gift to flip the pressure on Arsenal and flip the pressure on United. And we just laid an egg and it just, I, I got to question personal leadership in some of these players because I, I just, I don't know what else to possibly say. It is like you said, it's the same team. That was an unchanged bar bar. One of our wingbacks being in uh, bar Regulon for Doherty. It's, it was pretty much the same team and to just have no shots on target in 90 minutes. It just, I don't know. I, I was absolutely speechless after that game. Yeah. So you're like me, you don't really have any answers either. I mean, people have uh, things that others have said that Harry Kane made a whistle stop tour to the States to Atlanta to see the masters. Well, they had seven days off. I mean, that's six days off. And he took 48 hours to go somewhere like that. Um, I don't know if that had an impact on his performance, but it certainly shouldn't have impacted anybody else's performance. Um, so it, 
uh, it just is it's a mystery i think we just don't those of us who thought we had it together after the prior four games were wrong um once again uh yeah i do get worked up about results i i remember my grandfather in the in the 60s he could he had to work on a saturday but he'd go he'd finish work and he'd walk by the ground as they everybody was leaving and he'd chat to them about how the game went and one of the things he say to me, he said, "You know, it's not, I, it's not disappointing for me." He said, "It's disappointing for the young ones. I feel for them." Well, I don't know how much rubbish that is because I'm older than he was then, and um, I get disappointed for me, let alone the young ones. But uh, oh yeah, well, as I mean, both of you two are. I'm actually the baby in terms of my Spurs fandom, but even coming up on 20 years. Any time when we don't, when we have an opportunity to take advantage, and I feel like this has been a lot recently, and we screw it up, it still hurts. Um, I know a lot of it because whether it be potential leadership, uh, just the kind of players that we have. I, I've said in the past, I feel a lot. Uh, a, I'm not, I'm not going to name names, or but I would say like as a collective, we're still kind of soft. We haven't been there, done that for the most part. Yeah, Ben Cor and Kulishevsky, they both won. Um, actually, no, they didn't. Inter won last year. But, like, but like these players haven't won and done that. They haven't – I think, like, aside from Hugo, he's one of the few that has. Biggest issue for me is how you guys were saying is the mentality. I'm, like, focus at the task at hand. A, whether it be one game at a time, be folk – like, I think everybody knows that goal is champions league and you know that's our of course that's the end game but like you can't whether because arsenal screwed up or man united has been faltering a little bit um at that you know i know man united played a few hours later but you know you have to keep going and i think and i was i think i told peter or somebody at the bar that's why Conte came in because he's been there done that so he knows that or one of his, the, aside from his acumen and leadership, one of the reasons why I think we brought him is because he knows that he has to keep the players motivated. They can't rest until the season's over, you know, or at least until the job is done. So, Lucas, what do you got? Well, yeah, and I agree, and that's kind of why I I just, I just, I, I don't really agree with the whole um the Conti with the COVID not being like as active in the training sessions and stuff to me that it doesn't mean as much because I mean, I, I get that it probably makes practice and training different and it might add some different wrinkles into your everyday training and your everyday, the way we're used to doing things. It might add an odd wrinkle here or there, but in terms of preparation, like I said, all the guys were saying the right stuff. So how, how do you need that extra? You shouldn't need extra motivation when you know, we got seven games left and we're fighting for top four. So how, how does, I don't care if Conti was on a two week holiday. It doesn't matter. The, the guys in the training room should have, or in the training ground should have absolutely had some kind of self being, being able to motivate themselves a little bit for the fact that we're playing a team at home and we've been given this golden opportunity. This is a team that we weren't going to be surprised by. There was nothing that Brighton was going to throw at us that was a curveball. We've beaten them twice in the last three months. So, I mean, I don't know what we were expecting them to do. So, I, I don't understand how 
we weren't able to get ourselves up and ready for that game. And it, it really is disheartening because, like I said, I think even after, if you look at the United game when we dropped the points out there, I still walked away from that really hopeful because I thought we played really well. It just happened to be Cristiano Ronaldo's day. When when you have a result like on Saturday, it's it's tough to have anything but despair and negative thoughts and really daunting thoughts in your head about it because it's just that was some that looked like a Nuno team in a moment where we really needed to kind of take the next step in terms of our maturity and our leadership and our growth towards where we want to go. And we took a huge back step and looked like we were the same team that was playing at the beginning of October. Yeah. The, the Another befuddling thing is that in the four prior games, we learned how to win by passing the ball much faster and being much quicker than we had been in the past. That was the key to our wins. That was the key to getting people open and scoring goals. So we know how to do that. We just didn't do it. Now, why? Why, why, did, why did suddenly we forget that this is how we win games? Again, same players, same manager, same setup. Nothing changed. We just forgot how to play. And, um, you know, if we played like that every week, we wouldn't be vying for championship. We'd be worried about relegation. Right. So, see, um, see, that's the thing. Like, I'm just, there's certain matches where, like, okay, we look like shit, but this team steamrolled us fair enough. Or, like how Lucas said with Man United, like, we played well, but, you know, showed some signs of looking good, but Cristiano Ronaldo took over and scored a hat trick. Those are those games. This, for me, there is, unless if somebody wants to give me some other silver lining excuse, I don't see, and I can't think of an excuse. It's the same lineup. Granted, it's been more or less, aside from Regulon, it, the lineup's been the same for the since international break. But, uh, yeah, but or, like, even the argument of being burnt out, that's a load of crap, in my opinion, because they've had, had a seven-day break. So what is it? Um, and the other, I was actually thinking about this. Um, and John, for you, you might, I'm not saying you can empathize, but you can kind of maybe understand, like, you as a former small business owner, like, if the boss is gone and you got work, your work done, and you still have time left on the clock, you're probably going to mess around or not do anything because the boss isn't there. So they probably were doing the right things, saying the right things, but I bet he, I can I can see an argument of since Conte wasn't there, even though his assistants were there, um, players were like, you know, we got nobody crawling up our ass, you know, let's get the job done, but, and they were probably thinking, Brighton, no big deal, and in hindsight, they actually, what, won, like, four of their last five, but they're probably like, Brighton mid-table, no big deal. And in reality, they were an organized team. Um, and in my opinion, by 80th minute, they looked, they were probably going to, they're not, not saying phone in, but they would have been content with the tie. But, uh, but in the end, we got caught out because of Romero clearance and uh, Dyer kind of being caught in no man's land because of that deflection. But I don't know. I, yeah, I, I get your point. And, the, you know, the, 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 the most important thing about running a business of any size is the people you hire. Oh, and definitely. it's exactly the same when the football team. 
um, it's who you hire. And if you're going to hire the kind of people that are going to goof off when you're look, not looking over your shoulder, then, I mean, that that was certainly not my approach to business. I w- wouldn't even begin to think about hiring someone who I thought wasn't going to do the job if I wasn't oh, watching him. Um, so we got the same thing here. But I do think you've touched on something that is critical, and that is did the players themselves think, let's Brighton, we've beaten them twice, hey, you know, we can beat them standing on our heads. So they decided to play it standing on their heads. Well, we can play it with our heads up our asses, which would be more accurate, and they did play it with their heads up their asses. Um, but that is a, you know, that to me is the only thing that you that is plausible in any way for this performance. Um, what do you think, Luke? Well, I think something that Tommy said, um, I know we're just speculating because all three of us are just baffled and we're just trying to, we're trying to come up with anything we could think of that could be a reason. And so Tommy, I know that the uh, example you just brought out maybe uh, with like the boss being gone, I know that's just speculation, but if that were to be true, if that is the case and that's what's what actually happened to me, that's almost worse. And that's way more disheartening because you, you shouldn't need all the, like you, you would think you could get yourself up for wanting to go play in champions league. Oh, and, confidence is, and confidence is riding high right now or yeah. at that time. Well, you would think like Harry Kane, the whole the whole business that went on last summer where Spurs weren't matching his expectations. Like, okay, guys, if you want to play in Champions League, you shouldn't need some coach walking around holding your hand trying to get you motivated for a game. You would think that these guys should be motivated enough and get themselves up for a game in front of their own home fans, no less. Like, to me, you would think that pride would have something to be in there that you would never want to turn over an egg like that at home in front of your people. So I'm like, if that were to be the case, that would be really, really disheartening to me and show that we have a lot more, we have a lot further to go in terms of getting the quality and mental or mentality in our players than we've seen. So I'm really hoping that that wasn't the case. And it was maybe just, ah, we thought it was Brighton or something like that. But either way, I'm just, I'm still baffled that we weren't able to create anything not one opportunity yeah and the other thing is that some of these players had individual initiatives to want them to uh, succeed Um, son is now second in the premiership of goals scored this year Um, he's about three goals behind well isn't that an incentive for him to want to go and score a couple of goals and and get closer and maybe win the golden boot he certainly didn't play like it. I um, was so disappointed with all the performances. Um, oh, yeah. Pretty much. They, yeah. Tommy, well, sorry. Well, that was the thing, John. Looking at the line or at the lineup, everybody more or less had an incentive to push hard. Like Hugo, I mean, I, I'll say it right now. He was my MVP. But in terms of the whole squad, he had the least incentive to actually push forward. I mean, aside from being perked up for France in the world cup, but like his spot is safe. Like, uh, you know, everybody else, or there'd be like Hoiberg, Romero, Dyer, like either they're going to try to maintain their form for the world cup or for the next season, or Dyer maybe he's trying to get his way back into, uh, the England squad. Cool. You know, Dayan Kulishevsky, my guy, he his motivation is like he had a terrible time in uh, Turin, 
and he says that he loves it here. So he probably wants to continue that streak and do well to make this permanent and push for Champions League because whether it be appearance and from what I remember appearances in Champions League, that makes it permanent. Like Bergvine, he's been doing okay, but I mean, he's trying to push for another one spot or he might be seeking to move elsewhere or take over somebody's spot in the starting lineup and so forth. Or like everybody, like, Everybody had everybody that started had some, should have had some sort of motivation to not well, phone it in. Yeah, Tommy, I agree with you that Hugo was the MVP, but a goalkeeper's role is reactionary. Oh, he yeah. can only react to what's in front of him. The players have to be proactive to produce something, and a goalkeeper doesn't have that position to be proactive in how the team plays. Um, so he did a great job. He was put under a lot of stress. I'm sure he had a lot more saves to make than he anticipated when he started that game. But he did he did have a good job. But it's not the goalkeeper's role to make the team proactively aggressive. Well, and, I don't disagree, but he is the captain. So that's that's the only caveat. But yeah, other I, than the, other I than agree that, with I, I agree, agree with you about being the captain, and I think that the captain's role in the last few years has changed. I mean, it used to be a midfielder who had control of the fielder, would be bossing people around and pushing them around and telling them what to do and getting everybody motivated. Um, I've never understood how a goalkeeper can be captain because he can't do that. I mean, he <laughs> he's at the back all the time. Um, right. He's not in the middle of the action. So I've never really agreed with uh, goalkeepers being captains, but we didn't have anybody playing that role in that game, telling people to shake their, you know, to get get their finger out and get the <laughs> uh, and get get moving. I, I, it was uh, mystifying to me. I yeah. used enough adjectives, but this is it was deplorable and mystifying. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Lucas, you had your hand up. Well, something that John talked about from just like a a tactical analysis, if you will, is I think because he had mentioned the midfield right there, and I know it was in terms of captain, but I think that's something that we need to touch on in this game was our midfield was absolute. They, they were just ghosts. I mean, there was nothing that they didn't play anywhere near the same type of I would say, like, with our press, for example, like, we weren't pressing them anywhere near. We were only kind of pressing outside our box. And when we won the ball back, it was one pass, turn it over, or I think Hoiberg got, like, nipped from behind a couple times. It's just, it, our midfield was, so our midfield being, if they come out and play like that, it's almost where, like, you, I think you'd mentioned, what, Kulicheski had 16 touches in the game? So if we can't get the ball and we had no press in order to try and force them into mistakes, Brighton just comfortably had the ball and we did, we seemed like we were okay with that. And our midfield, or lack thereof, played such a really, really crucial role in the fact that Kane, Son, and uh, Kulicevsky weren't able to even be part of the game. So I just, from a strategy standpoint, it looked so weird because our midfield has always been something that we know needs to be improved. But it just seemed that the game plan was so different than the way we've seen our midfield operate in the last few weeks where we've been trying to force the opposition into mistakes and 
punish them with our lethal front guys, as opposed to this one where we just seemed like we were very okay with the fact that they had the ball and that was fine. So I was really baffled by the strategy in our midfield, I guess, as well as the performance. But I, I didn't know. It just seemed like a really different way of playing this we've been doing for the last four games. Uh, yep, yeah, it was. And um, I think we've got to draw a line under it. Both the team has to draw a line under it and start again. And we do too. I mean, there's not much more we can say, quite honestly. Um, it, it was poor, but we've got to put it behind us. And the Brentford game now is now crucial. But the big question is which Spears team is going to show up. If it's the team that showed up against um, Brighton, then we're done for. If it's the team that showed up prior to that, then we then we've got a good chance of being in the Champions League. And and if we do slip to fifth and we don't make the Champions League, it's not the end of the world. But we will be in the UEFA Cup. Um, and nobody's really talking about that as an objective. But I don't see that as being horrible. But obviously the objective is to be in the top four, and they've got to play like it. Yeah, that, well, that was the thing, John. Like I'm, I mean, fourth is still well within the team's grasp, but like. If we or we, if the team drops to fifth or sixth, I'm I'm still going to be disappointed. Even though I know this is your transition and all that other good stuff, it's just how did we get to this position? And it's like, say if we falter a few more games and we were up three points, and then Brighton um come or Brighton this loss for Brighton like kind of starts where the dominoes or the dominoes kind of fall. I'm I'm probably gonna consider this like a watershed moment where we're kind we kind of choke this fourth place away. So, I mean, right now, I I know I was kind of with you where I thought we were past this where what which Spurs team would show up, and I was thinking like you know oh you know past few games I know it was against mid or lower level comp- competition. But like whether it be Man U, Aston Villa, West Ham United, um, Newcastle, etc. I'm like, okay, you know, we beat these teams or we looked well but lost, and like, but like, you know, we're making do with what we have right now. But in addition to that, like, there's actually a rhythm of how the players are doing, and it in one fell swoop in a span of 90 minutes, it just got wiped away to me, and it feels like it's back to the drawing board. I mean, we're going to preview Brentford in the second half, but I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I wouldn't be surprised if no changes were made just because of our lack of depth, unless if skip can get in, but I don't know. We'll see. It's just, I'm, I'm I I just don't know. I'm beginning to feel that skip's not going to make it back until the end of the season, before the end of the season. This injury seems to keep, getting close to solving and then uh, they put it back another couple of weeks. I mean, I feel really sorry for the guys in the young man got a fabulous opportunity in front of him, yeah. fabulous player. And an injury like this is, uh, is really demoralizing. Um, yeah. Uh, Tommy, I'm, I'm with you. Um, to be honest, if we make fourth in what has been a bit of a pig's ear of a season um, with, having the wrong manager at the beginning, getting everything wrong at the beginning, getting a new man in, 
having to work with him for a while. Then we finally get it going with him. I mean, there has been a pig's ear. The fourth would be an enormous achievement, but it's oh, there. Oh. It's there for us. It's like it, like it's, it's been grass. You could taste it. You could feel it. Oh, I can. Yeah, and, and I'm just like, oh my guys, please don't let this slip away. Uh, don't let this slip away. What about you, Lucas? Well, it's it's interesting because I if you had asked me back in October, like once we'd sacked Nuno, if you asked me oh, well, we got Conti in, and he said, hey, do you think you could finish top four? I would have said, you know, if it happens, it happens. If we finish top four, wonderful. If not, it's not going to bother. It's not going to be the end of the world. But right now, it's going to, now it would kill me. Now it would absolutely gut me if we don't finish top four. And it's similar to what you had mentioned, Tommy. It's the way it's happened. It's very similar to those many games that we've seen Spurs play where we've gone into it thinking, okay, if we if we get a point today, I'll take it. But then we come out and we play amazing and we give up a goal or something like the man city game let's say for example when we played city away a month or two ago and it was it was very similar where i i would have bitten your hand off for a draw at the beginning of that game but there we were in the 88th minute and i was like now if we were to get a point this would kill me because we've earned it we've done all this great stuff and we deserve to walk out of here with three points so that's kind of where i'm at right now with top four where it's yeah i would have i would have bit your hand off just to finish in the top 10 in october but right now, with all the work we've put in, the way we've been playing, the acquisitions we brought in in January where everyone thought it was a wasted window, and it turns out we had probably the best window in anyone in England. So it's like it would really, really be just an absolute travesty for us to not come away with top four at this point because of how great we've been playing. We've had more goals than anybody since January. So, I mean, we've been playing some really good football, so it's just to – yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that this game was as just brutal as it was for us. It's just it was so out of character and it was so we thought we were kind of out of the woods with those types of performances. And now, like you had mentioned, Tommy, it kind of feels like a back to the drawing board type of thing. So it just it really makes this Brentford game a lot bigger than I was hoping it would have to be. But well, if we've got any listeners left after depressing the hell out of them for <laughs> half an hour. I suggest we move on because I think we've said enough about that. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll say some things uplifting that will keep people listening. So uh, fair enough. What do you think, Toby? Fair, no, I don't disagree. So what I mean, Lucas, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, the last thing I would say is, and this is just something beating a dead horse. This is something we talk about all the time. It's not new news. The fact that we can't take successful corners and we can't take successful set pieces. But that was, I think, something that I was really hoping it, – it, it seems like something that really good teams do is sometimes when it's not your day, sometimes it just takes a corner or a set piece. Oh, like the fundamentals. Work. Yeah, sometimes it just takes you, – you, sometimes you have to find a different way. Sometimes, you know, having the high-flying trio that we have up front, sometimes it's not going to be on for us. And it might take like a Romero header off a corner or something. Like we need to find other ways sometimes – to try and get one of these games over the line. And it, it seems like we're the only team that's incapable of doing it. Where, so I, I really hope that's something we can get kind of squared away and just find other ways to beat teams when it comes to one of those type gritty games where all is going against us. we got to find a way to get it done. So hopefully we can get that straightened out. Sounds good. Um, okay, so let's go into MVP, LVP. I already said Hugo Lloris was our MVP. John, you agreed with me as well. Lucas, did you have anybody different? 
No, I had Yugo as well. Okay. Um, sounds good. And then for LVP, I mean, John brought up a good point. Like, I was thinking, like, Kane, Emerson Royale, they didn't look good. But, and uh, the biggest, my uh, as a self-proclaimed uh, biggest fan of Dejan Kulishevsky, I hate to say it, but, I mean, you know, we all know the talents there, the promises there, but last Saturday, two days ago, he didn't look good. And the fact that he got subbed out in the 64th minute for Lucas Mora, I mean, if you're the first one subbed and you're not injured and that early, you know, that kind of says everything. So, I mean, sorry, Dion, I love you. Um, you're my boy, Blue, but I'm going to give you my – you're my LVP for this match. Um, well – you know, in the past, Tommy, we've said um, I'm not going to give anybody the LVP because they all played brilliantly. Right. Well, this is the opposite. I'm going to give them all the LVP. I don't think there was um, any of them deserved to not be the LVP. So the Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, first <laughs> 11, except Hugo, gets the LVP. And unfortunately, well, I'm looking at my spreadsheet right now, just putting everything in. And if anybody's curious, you are the second person to vote the entire, no, fourth person to vote the entire team as LVP. So. Well, that's precedent then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas, who did you have? Well, here comes the fifth person because I'm with him 100%. I was thinking about that. There was, it just, it, it almost seems unfair to single out one person for that performance when. I don't think there was one of them that got off the bus ready to go that day. It was just, to me, every single player showed up and not one of them actually turned up like this game was the important game that it was. So, yeah, to me, it's a, it's across the board. Everybody but Hugo, for me, was LVP. Fair enough. Okay, so that's going to wrap up our first half. Um, we got two halftime segments. Uh, we will have Lucas with his locks, but first... John, take it away with your loan update. Thank you, Tommy, and welcome to John's loan update for um, 18th of April 2022. It's only been a couple of weeks since we've done, uh, I did one of these, and so this is going to be a little abbreviated. But nonetheless, uh, there are three players um, that I really want to talk about um, who have really done some things in the last two weeks. Um, Troy Parrott, particular favourite of mine. Um, I was able to find the MK Dons game uh, against Sheffield Wednesday live on the TV, and I watched that particularly to to look at his performance. And he was very lively, very, very um, interesting in front of goal, darting around, and he got a great goal. Um, it put MK Downs up 1-0. Sadly, they ended up losing 2-3 um, in that top of the championship uh, match. But uh, terrific, very composed goal. Um, broke past the player on the left side of the box, pushed it to get clear. I thought he'd pushed it too far. Um, but then a quick flick with the outside of his right foot, put it in the bottom corner. Um, very impressed. Very, very impressed. Um, Etete, another forward who we're looking to, he was injured for a while. He came back. He scored a goal. He scored a goal in the 2-2 draw uh, that Cheltenham played last. Again, 
that's his job. That's what he's supposed to be doing when he's on loan, is scoring goals to make people take notice, and he's doing that. Um, Jack Clark had a 90-minute winner uh, when Sunderland beat Shrewsbury 3-2. Absolute screamer from outside the box. Um, beautifully taken goal. So the three younger forwards that we have on loan, I think, are doing a grand job and they're making the club sit up and take note of their performances, which is what you've got to do if you're on loan. Um, Cameron Carter-Vickers um, sadly lost the chance of a treble um, with Celtic this year when uh, Celtic lost 1-0 to Rangers in the uh, Scottish Cup final. Um, they're still top of the Premiership uh, in Scotland, uh, look like they've got that one in hand and he's already got a League Cup medal there. So he could end up with two medals, but the chance of three slipped through their hands on Saturday. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing. Um, Pepe Saar, the last game, he was put in the centre of midfield and he played 90 minutes. Um, I think that's probably his best position. He hasn't always been playing there and he hasn't always been playing the whole game. Um, but having said that, Mets is in big trouble. Uh, the odds of them going down is uh, are pretty high at this moment. But uh, at least he's getting an opportunity, which is good, which cannot be said for Niall John at Charlton. Uh, the good news is that he was on the bench for the first time for Charlton since he was on loan to them. Didn't get any playing time. And then the next game he was left out. So, again, that's going terribly. Um I think Ndembele uh, showed how erratic he is. Um, we were able to watch him in the two legs of the Europa Cup versus West Ham. First leg, had a good game. Really played well, scored a goal. Second leg, you didn't even know he was playing. And I think that fundamentally sums up him as a player. He's uh, He just hasn't got the, the stamina to play the way that he can all the time. And... I don't see a future for him in Tottenham. Having said that, um, we've also heard that uh, that Lyon are, are not interested in keeping him. So he could be a bit of a, uh, you know, he could be tricky. Don't know what we're going to do with him. Nobody seems to want him. He's cost us a lot of money. Um, Gil, Gil is, uh, he's back from injury. He started the last game um, for Valencia against Rayo Valencano. Um He's still, he's getting good time and he's looking very good. So hopefully he'll be back. Um, then the oddball, Giovanni Lo Celso. Well, who would have thunk it? Villarreal are in the semi-finals of the Champions League with Lo Celso playing against Chelsea. Um, certainly was a big upset when they won in the last round. But uh, he's having a wonderful season there. They love him. Sounds like they're going to be prepared to pay good money for him. So we'll wish him luck and hope that Villarreal cough up the funds and uh, he continues to do well for Villarreal. And uh, then uh, good old Alfie Whiteman, our goalkeeper, playing for Dega 4 in, um, in Denmark. They've had two matches in their, um, in their league so far. He's started both, finished both, and they've lost both. So... The Dagger Four were pretty much they they avoided relegation by the skin of their teeth last year. Doesn't look like they've improved much, but
But, you know, if a team in that position and you're a goalkeeper, you're going to get a lot of experience, and that's what he's getting. So that's the update for today, and um, I'll be talking to you soon. Bye for now. All right, time for Luke's Locks. First up, we are going to take a game coming up this Wednesday, so make sure to get this one in early. We're going to take Man City minus two at home versus Brighton. Brighton's got two wins on the bounce, both on the road in North London, unfortunately for us. Um, but I think the run, uh, their luck runs out on Wednesday. Man City are in the title race, and I expect them to show up with a no-nonsense performance and take care of a nice, comfortable win at home. So take City minus two at home on Wednesday. Next up, we're going to take over two and a half goals in Saturday's game between Arsenal and Man United at the Emirates. Arsenal's lost three on the bounce now, and they have Chelsea on Wednesday. Uh, but they're due to get a couple goals, I think, at home. So Man United uh, has way too much uh, firepower to not grab a goal or so. So I think the over here is the obvious play. So take over two and a half goals in that one. Next up, we're going to take another over bet uh, in the Norwich versus Newcastle game out at Carroll Road this weekend. Norwich is still in desperation mode, but they've been playing really aggressive in their attack as of late. Newcastle has seemingly turned things around as well. Uh, with a couple positive results. So I expect uh, Norwich to really go for it and there to be quite a few goals in this one. So over two and a half. Last up, a little bit of positive, positive Tottenham energy, if you will. We're going to take Spurs minus a half goal on the road this weekend against Brentford. Brentford have been in great form of late uh, and they seem to have secured a place in the Premier League next season. Spurs obviously are coming off one of the worst performances I've seen in a very long time. So I'm putting my faith here in Conti to have our boys locked in and get ourselves back going in the right direction. So take Spurs minus a half goal out on the road versus Brentford. There you have it. There's your four free picks of the week. Let's go get rich. Thanks, John and Lucas. Um, So... Hopefully the Lonies will do well. Um, I actually talked to John about this earlier, but um, and I'll discuss it with Anthony. But we'll have John um, potentially do like a round up or round table with everybody on that episode, um, talking about like maybe who stays, who goes, who's definitely going to leave, who doesn't have a chance, etc. So stay tuned for a, to that in a future episode. Um, so and officially we are in the second half. So. For this second half, we're going to be previewing Brentford. Um, we're going to be playing at the new stadium for Brentford uh, this Saturday. Um, it will be at 11 11.30 local time in Chicago. If you're in uh, the UK, it will be 5.30. If you want to watch it on TV in America, it will be on NBC. So we're on national TV. If you're in the UK, you can watch it at Sky, on Sky Sports Main Event or Sky Sports Premier League. Um one of the things to note, as Lucas noted, they're on a good streak right now. Um, they won four of their last five matches. So that might be a bit of uh, food for thought for the three of us when we come up with our predictions. Um, lastly, what is it? Okay, so as we all know, well, I know, um, since I'm Swedish, uh, my compatriot Pontus Janssen is their captain. So hopefully he won't do a uh, day on dirty um this weekend but our good friend christian erickson he's there and he's actually doing pretty well he's got a little bit of a renaissance compared to his last stint uh, or last calendar year um in north london so i'm very pleased for that um 
to lead into this discussion, our good friend from the of the podcast, Shubes. Um, I will see you in May, hopefully, when we're there. Um, but uh, Shubes' question is, I can see Regulon uh, being dropped for Sessegnon, who is a more natural wingback. I'm not disputing that. But on Saturday, he said we saw uh, Lavinier on the bench. If Royale is unable to be the Conte wingback and Lavinier um, impresses enough in training, can you see him getting the nod against Brentford to start? So anybody have any thoughts about that and in terms of the lineup in general? Um, I'll chime in every now and then, but I'll back to what I said previously. I don't see any real changes just because we've been rolling with this. And, I mean, aside from this blip on the radar against Brighton, the squad, this is our best squad. So, I don't know. Um, Lucas, you, did you have your hand up? Yeah. Um, I just think that I, I don't expect us to have something that drastic um, this late in the game. I think it's a really big gamble. Um, I know Regulon and Emerson haven't really impressed, um, but I, I think that it would just be a really, really drastic move to make a change that that big this late in the game. I really, I do think Sesson Young, though, I think we've seen that Conti actually trusts him more than Regulon. It's just a matter of fitness. So if, if Sesson Young is fit, I expect him to play. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't expect us to make any crazy changes this late in the game where I know we were just had a 30 minute depression session there at the beginning of the podcast. Um, but we do need to remember that aside from that 90 minutes, we've been bashing in a lot of goals and we've been playing some really high flying football. So I really don't expect us to panic that much, I guess would be the word to have any like massive panic changes where I, I think we'll just see the only real rotation we might see is if skips healthy or something, which I, I'm with John. I don't think we'll see that this year, but it would be it would be someone that we know that Conti already trusts, like a skip or a Sessignon coming in, and it's all kind of based on fitness. Fair enough. Yeah, um, I've got an enormous amount of respect for Brentford. I mean, they they had a long term plan, and very seldom do you see teams willing to put the effort in over the long term in order to achieve what they've achieved. And they're a fabulous little club. And uh, they're not so little anymore. But, yeah, they've got a good foundation. And I've, I think they're a credit to the Premiership. Um, but if we're going to make top four, we have to beat teams like Brentford, mid-table teams who are doing a very creditable job. But we've got to be better than them. Um, if we're not, we're not going to make the Champions League. It's as simple as that. Um, I'm with you, Lucas. I think that Cessignon, if... Uh, I was surprised he didn't start last week instead of Regulon because I think that Conte likes him better. Uh, it must have been a fitness issue, but he's had another week to work on that. I would expect him to, to go in. Um, it's very sad that we have a wing-back problem um, because of the season-ending injury to Doherty, which, you know, it's uh, you often see a commentator say, oh, that could have been a season-ending injury, but very rarely does it occur um, but yeah, that tackle on Dodi that didn't even get a yellow card was ridiculous and it's put him out for the season and it does make the starting 11 a little bit trickier to put together. Um, but Conte's not the kind of manager that makes mass changes. Um, he's shown that he figured out what his best 11 is and he's put him out there. And if there have been issues with one player, um, getting injured, then he just changes the one player 
Um, so I I think Sessegnon's worth uh, a start there for the wing back. On the right side, uh, what options do we have? Um, we really don't have um, options apart from Royale. Would Doherty not be in there? So I don't see him changing that. Um, Royale's got to pick up his. Um, he's he's got to pick up his play. I think he's much more capable than he's been showing. But uh, but that's that's my synopsis, Tommy. Yeah, I'm definitely in agreement with Sessignon. I got nothing against Regulon. I mean, he didn't. I didn't think he looked that great on Saturday. So I'm like, let's throw. I mean, I think Sessignon's definitely a lot better um, moving forward. He does have a, a uh, an attacking acumen to himself, I guess is the word. So why not? I mean, we didn't look very creative. So, but I think that's the only thing that I would change um in terms of Royal on how Lucas said I or and John said he's our only option right now so let's stick with it um and if Sessignon can do better to balance things out on both sides of the field then let's do it it's not going to be like where Harry Redknapp had the uh where we're down on so many people he gave Danny Rose his first start in the North London Derby uh 12 years ago. So it's not going to be like that. The only way that Lavinia gets in there is if, you know, Royal has a huge injury. And even so, I wouldn't be surprised if Dyer went there as a right back. Um, we did have an art or not an argument, but a little bit of a discussion during the game on Saturday. People are like, oh, let's bring in, you know, Dayon or Lucas Moore as a right wing back. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I am in full disagreement with that. So um, if you want to debate me, go ahead, uh, whether it be John or Lucas or anybody that's listening. And my argument is pressing and defending are two very different things. Yes, while both can attack and they do have some speed, that still doesn't make a good right wing back. Um, so I'd rather, I'd only use that option as a last ditch effort and we are definitely not there yet. So, yeah, Tommy, I think uh, you make an interesting point and that is that these days players are specialists. Um, in the, in the past when this wasn't the case, if you lost a player, you could put a different player in that position and he'd be perfectly fine. These days, if you're a left wing back, that's what you do. That's what you train to do. Um, putting you in centre of midfield or the centre of defence will be a disaster because you don't know how to play that. And because we're in that situation, it means that our options are limited. Um, but once again, I think Sassignon will be a good option there. And, um, you know, we can we can move forward. I've got mixed feelings about Regulon. There are times when I think he does brilliantly and there are other times when I think he's a muppet. But... Um, in, in general, uh, you know, the, the, the reason that we're going to stick with what we've got is because that's the way the game is today. So, Well, in addition to that, depth is lacking, so to speak. So it's kind of like, or we don't have a choice. I mean, in the past, I, I remember Eric Dyer's debut. He was a right back, but we played four at the back. Or he's played right back at certain times, so like in a pinch, I guess he could 
do it, but we've tried uh, Davidson Sanchez as a right back, and that was a disaster. So, yeah, I mean, kind of is what it is. Excuse me, it is what it is. So let's make do. Lucas, do you have something else to say about that? Well, yeah, I – I don't think we would do anything like uh, like throw Dyer out there because then I think you mess up the continuity at the back that those three have formed as the as the center back pairing or trio, if you will. I think they've done a really good job coming together as a unit. So I don't think you'd do anything to disrupt that continuity between those three. But I could see – the only way I could see us going with like a Bergvine or a Lucas as opposed to Emerson, Emerson would have to – A, yeah, the injury, he would have to get injured or something or would have to play – a couple games like he played in a row on Saturday. So I, I, I hope we don't have to cross that bridge. And this is, he's going to be a massive player going for us, whether or not we finish top four. A lot of that's going to have to do with whether or not Emerson can really step into his role here and take his job. So I really hope he does. I mean, I hope he's able to kind of take advantage of the opportunity he's been given here and really make this job his own because we really need him. We don't have the depth. You don't really want to get into stuff where you're experimenting, hoping that you can plug somebody in with a couple games left in the season to try and finish top four. That's not when you want to be trying to make those. That's stuff you want to work on in the summer where you can tinker around with stuff, not with all the marbles on the line here. So I don't think we'll see anything drastic change-wise um, from our fullbacks or our wingbacks, if you will. But um, like I said, it's, it's really up to him. I think whether or not we have to even – consider those routes is always based on whether or not Emerson's going to step into his role. Fair enough. So let's change gears a little bit. Um, talk, we answer Shub's question. We talked about the lineup. So we more, we are more or less in agreement that aside from Sessegnon, the lineup will likely stay the same, but I mean, let's talk about Brentford. Um, actually, I don't even know if Erickson has actually been starting. I know he's came off the bench for the first handful of matches but he's looking decent right now. But, I mean, what are you guys thinking in terms of who to look out for? I mean, the way I see Brentford is I kind of rate them as a uh, kind of like Brighton, where they're they're an organized team. You kind of know what you're going to get out of them, and you really shouldn't take them for granted. But, in but like, on paper, of course, the players are players – or our squad should be able to beat their start 11. But you never know. And how Lucas noted during his halftime segment, and I noted, they're on, uh, they won four games out of five. So, you know, that, that, that's one of the things that should be in the back of their minds as well. Yeah, they're a team without superstars, aren't they? I mean, they've been put together sensitively, as I mentioned before. And um, they haven't been out there splashing the cash for for superstars they've got a very hard working well working uh, team and uh, and they're successful because of that i mean i think this is where they expected or where they hoped they would be um in their long term plan uh, where they move on from here uh, is uh, is up to them and investment and that kind of thing but uh, yeah, I don't think you look at that team and you go, well, wow, you know, that guy's worth a hundred million pounds to somebody else. They could sell him. Um, I don't see that with them. What about you, Lucas? You, the... Well, yeah, exactly. And and sometimes that's what can really make a much scarier team is they seem to have a very good, like, they seem to have 
a good group mentality where they don't have the the superstars that you might be, like you said, coming in for 100 mil or something like that. It is about the way that they're able to get these wins done is through a collective team effort. And sometimes that's the scariest team that you want to play. Um, they seem like they really know what each other's going to be doing out there. They have a really good, like, last couple of results um, that weren't weren't against a couple of slags. I know they just beat Watford, but they were able to do that in the 95th minute where they kept knocking on the door the whole game. They didn't give up. The week before that was a 2-0 win against uh, West Ham, who are no slags. The week before that, they did something that we haven't done more than once in the last 30 years, which is roll into Stamford Bridge and beat the crap out of Chelsea. So they're not going to be fearing us coming in. They're going to have, they're going to be definitely up for it. It's about whether or not we're up for it. So I think this is a, this is a very good team. Um, and I think that there's not, I really hope Erickson doesn't score. <laughs> that would just kill me. But um I think that we're going to have to really be on top of our game for 90 minutes because this isn't a team that's going to just go away if we go up 1-0 or something like that. Like they're, they're a team that's proven in the last couple months that they're definitely up for it and they're not afraid of anyone. So we've unfortunately, we've made this game a lot bigger than I hoped it would be. But, yeah, we need to come in there and get a win. Yeah, it's going to be tough too because, well, I, mean, I think a lot of – you know, Brentford hasn't been the premier or top division for almost 70 years at that time. So they're definitely enjoying this uh, moment. I mean, I mean, their uh, Premier League status is all but sealed for next season. But it's, I mean, kind of like last week. I mean, I, I believe that we would have been able to beat Brighton. It's just, you know, it's one of those teams that you cannot take for granted. Um, but it does sound like the conversation is dying down. Anybody have any final thoughts before we go to predictions? I'll take that as a no. Okay, so I will go first. Um, I'm kind of hoping, and unfortunately, I didn't. It's unfortunate that the Brighton loss kind of gave might have given that reality check. But hopefully, I would say this is kind of a controlled win. I'm going to predict a two-one win. And I'm going to do the same prediction John usually has done in the past, and I'll say Kane and Son. Um, I mean, Kane hasn't scored lately, but he's at least been providing assists, whether it be great pass. You know, he's more or less still been doing very well. It's just he's not on the score sheet. But I'm hoping that he'll get that he'll score um, this Saturday. Uh, Lucas, who do you want to go with, or what's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to say 2-0, we win, and Kane gets a brace. I think he's oh. due for due for a big day. Sounds good. John, what do you got? Well, I was thinking of both of those, actually. 2-1 <laughs> with Kane and Son is my standard, but you've picked that already, so I'm going to be a little different. Um, I'm going to go 2-0, but I'm going to okay. say a Son brace rather Fair than enough. a Kane brace, just to, so that we've got that we're uh, mixing it up a little bit here. But, Sounds um, good. Okay, so that's going to wrap up this episode. Actually, um, before we oh. before we do, can I yeah. just do a little bit a little editorial thing here um, because I think it is Spurs related, and today's a sad day. Derby County got relegated from Championship into League One Ooh. today. Twenty years ago, Derby and Tottenham were very similar teams. They fought good battles together, and 
all you people who complain about the management at Spurs have only got to look at what happened to Derby County to be impressed by what the management have been able to achieve in the same period of time. Um, Derby's been beset with financial restrictions, the financial irregularities, um, none of which would have been allowed to happen under Tottenham. And 20 years later, you've got a team in a good financial situation with a great stadium and, and great facilities. And you've got a team that was in the same position being relegated to League One. And um, I feel sad about that. I hope that they, they come back. They've certainly done a very spirited job of trying to stay in the division. It was 21 point. Uh, taken off was just a little bit too much for him. But, uh, yeah, next time you want to complain about Levy, think about what could have been. Oh, exactly. Oh, that's actually an interesting point. I'm glad you brought that up because I had good Friday off, and so I was watching um, some championship games, and the one at 145 was QPR. And Oh, no, actually, they no, that was actually today. It was um, Fulham. Well, you're talking about the Fulham Derby game. Yes, and they won with a pretty late goal, and the place was going nuts. And like, I hated Wayne Rooney just because you know he's Man U, and I'm like, ah, fuck him. But I, I'll never dispute his talent. He was a great player for them. Um, and you know that's that is what. Oh, and I'm looking at the score sheet. Luke Amos, uh, former Spurs player, actually scored for QPR. So yes, they did, and they and QPR beat him one nil today. Um, I have enormous respect for Wayne Rooney. Um, oh, yeah. I did well, not. I did not have a respect for him as a person when he was a player. I thought he was a bit of a muppet, but um, he was a great player. But what he's done and stood by Derby, without getting paid, without being able to bring players in, having players had to be sold. Um, he's done a fantastic job, and I understand that after the game today, the uh, the crowd stayed for half an hour cheering the team. Oh, on the day cool. they got relegated, and I think that says uh, that says a huge amount. And uh, as I said, I've got huge respect for Wayne Rooney now as what he's achieved with them. And he says he wants to stay with them and get them back into the championship next year. And um, you know, with that kind of commitment, um, terrific, good for him. Well, th- that was kind of the thing. I'm like, why would I mean? I don't want to really talk about his per- personal life. I'm, my assumption of why he got into uh, managers because he needed the money. But again, that's a whole nother story. But, you know, I remember him becoming a player or he signed for Derby County, then become became player manager and then retired, became full-time or man, just sole manager. <laughs> and then this, I remember reading that this summer, aside from the 21 point deduction, they had to, or they only had like eight players. So what Wayne Rainey did, he signed a, a lot of old players, like if I don't know if anybody remembers from uh, Aston Villa or West Brom, but Curtis Davies or Davis, I don't know which way to say, it, but like he was one of the big players for for them this year. He signed a bunch of random players. Um, so I'm not saying Wayne Rooney is a guy to look for in the future, but kind of like how you said, John, um, the fact that they cut it so close um, by the mid or mid April. Um, and finally got relegated. Now, I think that's kind of a testament to how good his managerial skills are thus far. Because if it was, could have been in, like if it was Frank Lampard still there, they probably would have been relegated. So, um, and also, I'm, 
I'm pleased for Wayne Rooney in terms of like he kind of wanted to do things the right way because oh, I can't think of his name, but the the manager who got fired from Everton, they're like they asked it, Wayne Rooney, like, you want to come aboard? And he was like, no, I want to prove my worth here, and then maybe eventually manage you guys. And I remember he said he eventually would like to manage uh, Manchester United down the line. So he's definitely uh, getting his licks in right now and trying to prove his worth because. Um, and I do wish him luck next season because, I mean, it's it's very – I mean, with Derby County, I know they have new owners, but they – I mean – Well, the fact see- is they don't they don't have new owners yet, Tommy. There's oh, they don't? America. No, they do not. It's still in flux. They still could have points deducted next year. Um, the whole thing is a complete mess. And I'm, I'm not quite sure, Tommy, that they were able to sign a lot of players – most of that squad is 19 years old because they brought them up from the juniors and the oh, okay. under 23s. And that's another uh, reason why this is so credible. But they are involved. It is hugely complicated. And if we wanted to get into it today, it would take another 20 minutes. But to give you some of the absurdity, um, they are currently being sued by Middlesbrough because – Last year, when they what was it? Year before last, when they were involved with the uh, championship playoffs, they knocked out Middlesbrough, and Middlesbrough are saying that if they had not done these financial shenanigans, they wouldn't have been able to beat Middlesbrough. So Middlesbrough would have won that game. Therefore, they would have been in the Premier League. Therefore, Derby County owes them money. And that is about as absurd as a lot of the things that are going on in, with, with Derby at the moment. And it's uh, uh, they've got to get over the fact that even if somebody buys Derby County, they don't get the stadium. The stadium's owned by somebody else. So... Uh, that's been a huge uh, difficulty for them. So they could still end up getting points deducted next year, and it's very sad. But, but again, yeah, my only point was, uh, you know, be be happy with what we've got because other teams that were same situation as we would, we were in are no longer in that position. Right. So enough yeah. said. Sorry, so I've been rambling on a bit. Oh, that's, so I'll we'll finalize my thought then. So as John said, like, could be worse. You could be a Blackbird fan. Bolton Wanderers, they're a sad story as well. Or another one is Coventry City. Like, they, they had to sell their stadium because of financial difficulties. So, Well, if you want to look at it again, Oldham were one of the first teams in the premiership or the, when we mm-hmm. started the premiership. Oldham have a good chance of going out of the Football League completely this year. Oh, geez. They're pretty much close to the bottom of League Two and... Um, are not showing a lot of promise to get any better than that. So they could be playing outside league football next year. Well, so there you go. Makes you yeah. appreciate. Makes you appreciate what Levy's done in a lot of ways. I know we it we all be. like to have a dig at him here and there, and sometimes the way he does business frustrates the life out of us. But one thing he hasn't messed around with was getting us in a financially secure place and make basically giving us a future. So yeah, yeah. Thank you, Levy. And. Compared to other teams, our high house of cards, so to speak, is uh, is very secure, so to speak. Yeah. Well, we don't have a house of cards. We've got. Wait, a... is oh, is that what it is? Oh, uh, we got. Yeah, we have a we have a good things. solid foundation. Oh, yeah. that's what I meant. Okay, yeah, I thought house of cards was like a catch-all term, but whatever. <laughs> okay, my bad. 
House okay. of Cards is a situation that's going to fall apart at the slightest uh, provocation. You know, it can be blown yeah. over. So, um, Aside from that, uh, anybody else have any final thoughts before I have my closing remarks? Nope. Let's hope next nope. week is uh, you, much more positive. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. So um, thanks again for me for editing and sound. Um, Anthony, thank you again for scheduling um, and writing the uh, notes for us for this week and next week. Um, and for anybody that's curious, uh, British Joe, well, they're both British, but uh, Manchester Joe, he'll be hosting next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, thank you to Charlie for music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo. And as always at the Atlantic Barn Grill for a place to watch. Um, I will be there this Saturday. Lucas will be there. Um, John, will you be there? He gave us a thumbs up, so John will be there. So if anybody that's listening hasn't shown up or if you want to see what we look like, <laughs> come over and you'll know what we look like. And I can assure you, we do not bite. Uh, find us on both Spotify and Stitcher and hit the subscribe button. Write us a review on iTunes on our podcast and give us a review anywhere where you can uh, get your podcast. So as an example, um, Google Podcasts is another one that I use. So take a look at that. Um, in terms of social media, do check us out on Twitter and on Facebook at Four Star Spurs. And if you want to look at a backlog of our episodes, um, if you want to see some random blog posts, how we became Spurs fans and whatnot, go to our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.